0: This is Age Well with Dr. Sophie Schotter. I'm your host, Fiona Mattesini, and this episode is an extended special where we simply talk skincare. And if, like me, you're a bit of a product junkie, you are going to love, love, love this episode. We've got tips.
1: Many skin types don't actually need a moisturizer as such. They'll do well with hydrating serums. We've got advice. My advice would be if you're a sensitive skin or rosacea prone, stick to
0: And get your Christmas list ready. Dr. Sophie loads us up with so many brilliant product recommendations.
1: To date, I don't yet know anyone who's reacted to it. It's such an incredible development. Have you used that one? Yeah, that's on my bathroom shelf. It's <laughs> one of my products that I would never be without.
0: And a quick note that everything Sophie mentions is hyperlinked in the show notes. Thanks for listening. This is Dr. Sophie's Ultimate Skincare Guide. Right, Sophie, I'm really looking forward to this podcast. I love skincare, so this is going to be a really exciting one for me. Skincare routines, they've moved on so much since the traditional cleanse, tone and moisturize, although that still sticks for a lot of people, doesn't it? I thought… Saw... What might be good is if we go through a list of skincare products and ingredients, I think I'm inspired here by brands like The Ordinary and The Inky List, because that's what they do, isn't it? And can you give us the lowdown on what each one does and what your thoughts are, and a few product recommendations, including, this is such a shopping list here, any different price points and budgets? And I just want to add, we'll do retinol in its own self-contained question, which we'll do after this one in case people are thinking, why aren't you mentioning retinol? We are going to mention retinol. So anyway, Squalane. squalane squalene that's it isn't it
1: yes squalene 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 is a really great and hydrating lipid based ingredient so it's a naturally occurring lipid essentially that in our own skin comprises about 10% of your skin's natural oils so it's really really important for your skin's hydration status because hydration isn't just about oil so it's found in all sorts of products. So, the thing that I think is important to remember is you can go down the route of brands like The Ordinary, and you'll find that they have a squalene serum. Mm. But actually, I'm not the biggest fan of single ingredient products and picking out the ingredients. But you will find squalene in lots of different formulations because what I don't want you to do is think that ingredient sounds great and that ingredient sounds great. Mm. And then ending up using 10 or 15 different Products which Mm. can help contribute towards you developing a more damaged skin barrier, product overload. So generally, this one's a great one if you struggle with dryness. You've got red, irritated skin. Maybe you want to improve your skin texture or fine lines. If you want something that's a pure squalene or squalane product, which is more stable, there's one by a brand called BioSense, which is nice. You'll find it in really tried and trusted staples like La Roche-Posay's Tolerane range. Mm -hmm. Paula's Choice has their ultra-rich moisturizer has squalene in it. Mm -hmm. You'll find it in products that don't say they're a squalene product, (laughs) but have it in there. And that's my recommendation. Really think about what you're trying to achieve. And rather than picking a product that has just one ingredient, look at... The overall formulation.
2: Mm.
0: Otherwise, as you say, you'll have a whole bathroom cabinet full of ingredient based skincare, which is expensive. And also, when does it end? And also, I had thought squalene was purely for cleansers, but I think I thought that because of the ordinary. But actually, from what you're saying,
1: no, it can be in a range. It of- can be in lots of different things. And it is a great ingredient in cleansers as well. It does give that kind of nice, slightly oily feel to mm. a cleanser. But yeah, it's in lots of other things as well. Okay. Vitamin C. Yes,
0: yes. (laughs) I'd be amazed if you said no to that one, because I think it's a big one, isn't it?
1: It's a hero ingredient. And vitamin C is a powerful antioxidant. And antioxidants mop up free radicals in the skin. What vitamin C is particularly good at is mopping up free radicals caused by the sun, by UV damage. And if you apply a really good vitamin C in the morning before your sunscreen, it will make your sunscreen up to four times more effective. So it's one I'm a big advocate for. And it's also a great one for boosting skin glow. So if I'm putting together a plan for a bride-to-be, for example, I really do like using vitamin C in a routine because it gives glow quite quickly. Mm. Vitamin C is also essential for helping to boost collagen production. You need vitamin C to make collagen. And it can help suppress pigment formation I don't personally feel it makes the hugest difference on its own if you've already got pigmentation there. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But to help prevent it forming, I think it's a great ingredient. It comes in lots of shapes and sizes. And what you need to remember here is vitamin C can be quite unstable. So historically, many of the products have been L-ascorbic acid. And you'll see, for example, the moment that serum changes color and becomes a little bit orangey looking, it's gone, it's oxidized, and it's no longer doing anything good for your skin. But you can get products that are 10%, 15%, 20%. And then there are newer formulations. For example, there's THD vitamin C, which is found in revision skincare. And that tends to be a lot more stable and formulations can be even higher. So, They have a 30% formulation, but it's a much more stable product. Is it a case that the
0: higher the percentage, the more unstable it can be, but the more effective it? Like, what percentage should we be looking for, or does it matter?
1: No, for most skin types, 10 or 15%. Sometimes an oilier skin, 20%. But we have to remember it can also be irritant. Mm. It isn't one of those, the stronger the better.
2: Mm.
1: For most people, a 10 or 15% L ascorbic acid is enough. Mm. But you have to remember you shouldn't compare the percentages of different formulations. So, for example, the revision, as I mentioned, the THD vitamin C, that's either 15 or 30%. So then you've got a brilliant brand called Skin Diligent who have their vitamin C serum in oil. And theirs has 3% ascorbyl tetra isopalmitate. And if you listen to that, you'll think, oh, well, 3% is nothing. But actually, with this particular form of vitamin C, that 3% is actually a really high concentration. Right. So you shouldn't compare the percentage of one form of vitamin C to the percentage of another form of vitamin C. But the majority of the products on the market are still L-ascorbic acid and for those, for most people, 10 or 15% is enough. Okay and in
0: terms of the stability so it doesn't go off, is that something that we can't control that we need to use up pretty quickly? So
1: all products will have a shelf life. If you look on the back of a skincare product there'll be a little symbol that looks like an open pot that tells you how long that product will be stable for after opening mm. but with the vitamin C it gives you that visual clue. They'll use usually come in brown tinted bottles or dark containers and often will have these sort of pipette dispensers and every time you open that bottle it's basically protecting it from light and from oxygen Mm -hmm. so every time you open that bottle that serum will be being exposed to oxygen and being degraded a little bit Mm. okay thank
0: you niacinamide
1: a great ingredient that's been talked about a lot over more recent years Mm. and it's a form of vitamin b3 so it's one that our bodies don't store because it's water soluble but has really nice benefits for the skin can be great for helping to improve inflammatory skin conditions like acne or rosacea Mm. It's a great one for oily or combination skin types. It's good for boosting barrier function. Mm -hmm. Can be a good ingredient in an anti-aging routine, helping to boost collagen production. Potentially also useful for treating pigmentation. And a lot of people say helping to decrease the appearance of pores as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I want to return to vitamin C super, super quickly. Do you have any budget-friendly recommendations for any vitamin C
1: serums or,
0: or formulations
1: Budget-friendly, Medicate, the C-Tetra is a good serum. Vichy have a good vitamin C serum. Mm. And La Roche-Posay, I believe, do as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Any of the big brands, I guess, that people recommend, because if it's a big brand, they have the big budgets to put the research and the R&D behind. Exactly. Exfoliating acids. Now, this is where I tend to get myself a little bit confused in terms of my glycolic versus my lactic versus my salicylic all of them PHA what's the lowdown with all of these acids and of course people hear the word acid and they get very frightened as well so if you
1: can give us the yeah, yeah the lowdown on that too so, acids in a skincare capacity, glycolic acid was the first one to be really used. And that comes from sugar cane. Mm-hmm. And glycolic is an AHA. And the family of AHAs expanded a lot now. So, we have lactic acid, we have malic acid, we have citric acid. And actually, lactic acid, when we hear stories of Cleopatra bathing in donkey's milk, mm-hmm. that's essentially using lactic acid to help exfoliate her skin. Mm-hmm. And AHAs are great for helping to increase cell turnover. They provide a good exfoliation. We have BHAs. The big BHA that we all know and talk about is salicylic acid. Mm -hmm. So salicylic acid is very good at cutting through oil. So it makes it a great choice if you're breakout prone because Mm -hmm. it can cut through the oil that's sitting in the pore. And salicylic is also slightly bactericidal. So again, talking about those C. acne bacteria that live in the skin it can be a really excellent choice for anyone struggling with breakouts. Mm-hmm. And then we got on to PHAs and bionic polyhydroxy acids. So these are more recent and more sophisticated molecules, which are really good for gentler treatments. So they're still very effective, mm-hmm. but they're also quite hydrating and they're not as irritant. So these are things like gluconolactone or lactobionic acid. And they're excellent choices for anyone, even though suffering with rosacea, can usually tolerate a PHA. And I'm a big fan actually of Neostrata's Restore range, which is very full of PHAs and they have some lovely peel pads, which are great for daily use mm-hmm. as well.
0: I know that everyone's skin is different and what's right for mine won't be right for yours, but purely because I'm nosy, which ones do you use for your skin?
1: (laughs) I have a little bit of a mixture because, of course, acids can come in stronger forms as well. Mm -hmm. So if I have in-clinic treatments, I usually have AHA-based peels and all of the AHAs will do slightly different things. I have a retinol-based product which also has AHAs in it. I do like an AHA. When I want to have a good exfoliation, an AHA is a great choice. But then I also have the PHA pads, which I basically use on my skin every morning. Mm -hmm. For the milder sort of exfoliant. Exactly. And
0: you would use that over a sort of a scrub, so to speak? Because I I think I would now. I don't think I would use a scrub with actual bits in it. I think I would go for the acids. Is that what what you would do?
1: Yeah. So the issue with a lot of scrubs is that they can really tear the skin. So for example, the good old St. Ives apricot mm. kernel scrub, anything that's a kernel that's been crushed is uneven and can really cause mm. this microscopic damage to the skin. But there are newer scrubs which use Hoba beads, for example, which break down. So they're not using microplastics which can obviously cause big environmental issues. Mm. And they can work really well. So there's a brilliant one by Meda Beauty called the Enzyme Peel, which is a combination of enzymes and these tiny little beads. Mm. And that works really effectively. So I use that as a mask sometimes. And then one
0: ingredient that I think people might be more familiar with, because I see it all over moisturizers now, is hyaluronic acid
1: hyaluronic acid is a great ingredient and it's your skin's natural moisturiser mm. so think of it as a sponge it's sitting there in your skin and it's holding water there so without enough hyaluronic acid if you you can be drinking as much water as you like but you won't be putting it in your skin yeah. <laughs> and there are excellent hyaluronic acid based products available now which really do help to boost hydration levels and also to plump out fine lines and wrinkles mm. So a selection of really good ones. Some of my favorites, Vichy have a brilliant one. Mm -hmm. They're Mineral 89, and they have the Mineral 89 probiotic fractions as well. They're both brilliant products. Mm -hmm. And then right the way up to pricier products again Mida beauty have their hydrophil concentrate which mixes different weights of hyaluronic acid or the revision hydrating serum again is a very good more sophisticated one mm-hmm. and somewhere in the middle the neostrata tritherapy lifting serum is an amazing product as well mm-hmm. so it's a great one for anyone wanting and needing more hydration in the skin
0: yeah and there are so few moisturizers out there that don't have hyaluronic acid in them so i think it's hard to avoid it and, and that's a good thing because it's obviously a great ingredient now serums i seem to have a blind spot even now where i just think oh, i just use a moisturizer and i know that serums do something different and i think i'm just overwhelmed by so much choice and i just i just want you to pick one for me because i just don't know where to begin and there are like hero products and there are cult products can you talk to us about serums because i'm
1: overwhelmed completely with all of them So serums are really lightweight and they're usually very highly concentrated with more active ingredients that penetrate deeper into the skin. So they're a great choice for things like antioxidants, vitamins, peptides. Hyaluronic acid often comes in a serum form, whereas moisturizers tend to be thicker, they tend to be more Mm lipid-based and they're designed to really lock moisture in. Many skin types don't actually... Need a moisturiser as such they'll do well with hydrating serums Mm -hmm. so it very much depends on the skin type and again this is where though when you get into the realm of single ingredient serums you can end up using so many of them that it can actually end up causing skin problems Mm -hmm. rather than being beneficial so I'm a big fan of serums and I do usually finish off with some form of moisturiser at the end of my routine especially at night Mm -hmm. but think about it more that the moisturiser moisturizer because when we're in bed at night water is literally evaporating out of our skin Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and a moisturizer will help to lock that moisture in there but when it comes to active ingredients those will usually come in the form of serums right so
0: they're doing the sort of heavy lifting and do you have what are your favorites what are the ones that maybe you keep coming back to that you would recommend
1: so many of what we've already talked about actually are all in serum form but you know some of the tried and trusted antioxidant serums be it the alto advanced by skin better science or a famous one skin Cuticle c ferulic that's a serum in a hyaluronic acid the neostrata tritherapy lifting serum is one of my hero products that never leaves my shelf Mm. and as you said there are several that have become cult products take estee lauder advanced night repair that's a serum or the clarins double serum yes or drunk elephant there was that been through a bit of a... Drunk Elephant have various types of serum mm. as well. So there are some that have become these real cult products. But like you said, you get to know what your skin needs with time. And if you can have that level of understanding you still don't want to have too many on your shelf because they'll go off before you have a chance to use them all mm. but then it's worthwhile you mixing and matching thinking my skin's feeling a bit more dehydrated today i'm going to use my hyaluronic acid serum or mm. i'm going to be out in the sun all day today so i'm definitely going to make sure i've got good antioxidant protection yeah. but these sorts of things are often delivered in a serum form rather than in a cream moisturizer form it's
0: one of the reasons why i love going to space nk i'm sure you do too it's just the most wonderful place to lose yourself for a, a half an hour or even longer and often I find the staff they're very generous at giving samples and if they know that you're serious about skincare they'll give you the time of day but at the same time I remember a couple of times being recommended a serum because the person that worked there went oh my goodness this is amazing and gave me a sample and it did nothing for my skin could have been that I didn't give it enough time there's that as well that often we're expecting things to work miracles over two or three days and of course it does it takes longer doesn't
1: it yeah and we also Space NK has some great brands but there will also be some that aren't available in a place like Space NK that are even punchier and more effective. So it's about picking the right product for you and for your skin yeah. and not being sucked in by marketing. So for me if you look at an ingredients list if you can see alcohol and by that alcohol denat there are other types of alcohol that are okay but alcohol denat if that's in your Serum, You don't want to be using it. And quite often I've looked at serums allegedly from really great top-notch brands and found the Alcoldina really high up there. Mm. Or Fragrance is another one. Some of these serums are heavily fragranced Mm. and it's not good.
0: Yeah. SPFs, I always have a fear they're going to block the pores. I'm always very careful to try and remove carefully at night because of that. And that that is a question within that. What about removing your SPF? Because of course, that's the one thing that comes up time and time again is wear your sunblock, make sure that you're wearing your sunblock from an early age. What do you use? Any brands
1: you recommend? What are your thoughts on SPFs? sunscreen you should be wearing one absolutely every single day Mm. and that even includes the cloudy day in winter where you think the sun's not even making an appearance Mm. it still is emitting a lot of uva radiation so when we're on a hot summer's day we're emitting a lot of UVA and UVB. And through the winter months, you're not emitting or the sun isn't emitting the UVB, but the UVA levels are relatively constant. And they're the ones that can cause skin cancer and premature aging. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to choosing a sunscreen, the one that has an SPF 15 in your moisturizer or your makeup isn't doing anything. So there's some data that shows that by the time you apply a a sunscreen with an SPF of 30 to your skin, the way most of us would do it, Mm -hmm. by the time it actually gets to your cells, it has a factor 2.3 protection because we're simply not putting enough on compared to how it's done in a laboratory. Mm -hmm. So then you take how you apply your makeup, usually we're not applying an awful lot of it, Mm. and that only had an SPF 15 in it to begin with, and it didn't have any UVA protection, you're really getting very little. My advice is always to use a dedicated sunscreen. And dedicated sunscreens will come in two forms. One is mineral and one is chemical. A mineral sunscreen, they're the ones that historically had the bad press for making you look a bit white and chalky. But modern formulations really are so much more sophisticated. You don't have as big a variety as you do with chemical sunscreens of different finishes, but they're not going to leave you looking like a ghost. And I'm a big fan particularly of the Heliocare Mm. mineral tolerance fluid when it comes to mineral sunscreens. And then chemical sunscreens, they're just ones that rather than reflecting the sun's radiation away, they absorb it and turn it into heat. And chemical sunscreens are great in that they you can really get a variety of different finishes. So there are ones that are good for mattifying, oilier skin. There are ones that are slightly more hydrating so there's a finish for pretty much every skin type. My advice would be if you're a sensitive skin or rosacea prone, stick to mineral sunscreens. If you've got any other type of skin issue, you can use whatever suits your skin best. Mm-hmm. But amongst my favourite brands are Institute Helio Care, which I mentioned, the La Roche-Posay and Helios range is amazing. And don't miss areas like your nose, your ears and your, your eyes oh and cleansing that was the other bit you asked me yes <laughs> absolutely now modern ones don't block the pores in the way they used to historically but still you should be taking it off at night so I always say if you've had a lot of makeup on or you've been in the city with lots of pollution or you've been wearing a lot of sunscreen make sure you give your skin a good double cleanse at night yeah take the
0: extra five minutes the next three I'm going to kind of do in, in one because they're about specific areas of the face of that, that area separate Neck creams for the decolletage, eye creams, and actually also night creams as well. I'm always thinking, are they worth the money? You know, I'm giving you quite a few in there, but if you have any thoughts on any of those, do please let us know. So, necks
1: and eyes, definitely. Necks have structurally a different skin than the face. Mm-hmm and so it is worth investing in a good neck cream. And the ones that I love are both investment products, the Revision Nectar Firm Advanced and the Skin Better Science Techno Neck Perfecting Cream, but they're both really different technology that's targeted to the specific needs of the neck skin. Mm -hmm. And if you go and put a lot of your face active ingredients on the neck, you're probably going to get irritated skin because the neck doesn't have as many oil glands, and so it can be much more reactive. Mm -hmm. And the Skin on the around the eye is the thinnest on the whole body Mm. it's often more prone to premature aging and it's definitely more sensitive and I even find if people use their rich face moisturizers around their eyes it can make them puffy rather than looking better Mm. so they're both definitely areas I would invest in a dedicated product for but night creams generally speaking I wouldn't bother with I would have one generic moisturizer and add my active ingredients in, in the form of serums. Right,
0: retinol. I think most people are aware of what it is and what it does, but if you want to give a quick explainer, that might be useful. And I've got a bunch of questions that I'm going to just reel off because I know you'll cover it anyway, but it's things mm. like how should we use it as part of our routines? What can we mix it with? Should we only apply it at night only used in the summer, prescription versus over-the-counter, sensitive skin, pregnancy, contraindications, all that kind of stuff, because I think it still does cause confusion, particularly around what we can mix it with if we're using those other acids as well. I get confused about that.
1: Retinol is the only ingredient that in the States, in America, is allowed to say it's anti-aging because it has so much data on its efficacy. Mm. And it's a form of vitamin A. And it's really very good at stimulating cell turnover, stimulating those fibroblast cells to produce more collagen, elastin, and hyaluronic acid. So, for anyone with anti aging concerns, it's essential. And it's also a great one for people with acne because it can help to decrease oil production in the skin. Mm-hmm. So when you're using it as part of a skincare routine, generally speaking, it is for night. So that's because it can make us more photosensitive, which means more sun sensitive. So we would usually say, put it on at night. And the other thing is, while you're asleep at night, your skin is resting and repairing. Mm. So it's a good time to have that in there.
2: Mm.
1: And most people would say, put your retinol on as the last step of your routine at night. I do find if people find they need a moisturiser as well, I always say let your retinol sink in for at least 20 minutes and then put a moisturiser on at night before you go to bed. Can you mix them, put them on together? So you can, if you're, but you're going to decrease the potency of the retinol if you do that. Right. Now... You'll also find that there are lots of different types of retinol. Yes. There's retinoic acid yeah. and they're all part of the same pathway. When you put retinol onto your skin, it's converted in your cell to retinol and from there is converted to retinoic acid. So retinoic acid or tretinoin is prescription and it's more potent than a retinol. Mm-hmm. So it's just an important one to be aware of. Now, what to mix it with and not to mix it with. There are no absolute no's, but you have to remember that when you combine it with other active ingredients, you do increase your risk of irritation Mm. because retinol in its own right can make you a little bit irritated. It can make your skin a bit red and a bit dry and flaky. Not for everyone and not if you introduce it into your routine gradually, which I will talk through in a minute. Mm. But if you go too quickly you can get those symptoms. So if you're thinking about AHAs and BHAs, generally I would recommend using them at opposite ends of the day. Mm. Other prescription acne ingredients like benzoyl peroxide can give you a lot of irritation. And I would also tend to use it at the opposite end of the day to vitamin C. So use your vitamin C in the morning and your retinol at night. We don't want them to counteract each other. But most other things you can mix with retinol.
0: Yeah. And I was going to say also then you get the glow of the vitamin C in the day, which is when you want it as opposed to at night when you're sleeping.
1: Exactly. So I would just say if you're new to it and you're introducing it gradually, then start with maybe using it on the opposite days to when you're using your acids. Mm -hmm. Use your acid in the morning and your retinol at night. And start off just by using your retinol twice a week for the first couple of weeks. Then increase it to every other day for a couple of weeks. From there, go up to every night. You'll also find that there's a lot of different strengths and potencies around. And it's not a matter of starting at the strongest you can find. Start with a weaker product and then, provided your skin tolerates it well, then increase slowly, building up a retinol ladder. And a really good brand to look at for that is Medicaid because they make it very easy to understand. I do use mine over the summer months. I don't stop, but Mm. I just make sure that I have a good sunscreen on.
0: Okay. All right then.
1: If somebody was pregnant, could they carry on using it or use it? That's one of the absolute no's is pregnancy, because in principle, vitamin A can be teratogenic. But there are retinoid alternatives like bacuchiol, which is plant-based and on the study shows equivalence with retinol. I actually think they're quite good going together. Mm. But if I were pregnant, I would look at substituting my retinol for mm. a bacuchiol.
0: And what about newer molecules, yeah. which is quite exciting? What, what's coming
1: down the pipeline in, in, in this space? So it's even things like, and this is why all the traditional rules of what you can mix and what you can't are blown out the window, but a brand called Skin Better Science have an amazing molecule called Alpharet, which is a double conjugated retinoid. It's essentially retinol and AHAs combined, but... To date, I don't yet know anyone who's reacted to it. It's such an incredible development. And the outcome of that is that on the clinical studies, it's as effective as a prescription strength formulation, but without the downtime. Mm. So it's just to say the buck doesn't just stop with retinol anymore. Have you used that one? Yeah, that's on my bathroom shelf. It's one (laughs) of my products that I would never be without. Oh, wow. Okay. That's good to know. And can I ask you about exosomes? Oh, yeah. So exosomes themselves are part of human biology. But they're these little vesicles which contain... Multiple different things that help your cells to communicate with one another. So, that can be peptides, it can be growth factors, it can be vitamins and minerals. And they're brilliant around treatments. So, for example, they can really help to boost how quickly your skin heals or how much collagen your skin produces. And there are now some. Now, what we have to remember in the UK is that exosomes are human derived products are illegal. Mm. It's not allowed under human cosmetics regulations, but there are excellent plant-based alternatives. So there's a great brand called XOE, which we use in clinic combined with things like microneedling or radiofrequency microneedling to speed up how quickly people recover and also to boost the results that they're getting. And those are also available for home use.
0: And would it be good for someone like my older daughter who has had acne and she has got some scarring? Would that be good for, for her or someone like her?
1: Yeah. And even for people with acne, it's really very good. The results that I've seen on acne patients for helping to decrease inflammation and improving the long-term outcomes with scarring are excellent.
0: So you've mentioned some of your bathroom shelf heroes. What would you describe as your hero
1: brands in clinic? For me, the ones that I've just mentioned, as in Revision, Skin Better Science, Meda Beauty, they are our main in-clinic brands that we use time and time again. We also have a little bit of Skin Cuticles, we have a little bit of Neostrata, Mm. but we try and focus on ones that are less available online and something that's more more available on an expert-led basis. There are now so many different brands around. And another great one is Abagi, which is a lot of that's on prescription. But if you struggle with pigmentation, it can be a really good choice. There's an excellent brand just launching into the UK called Sente, Mm. which I'm very excited about. And they've got some very novel products for rosacea and pigmentation that are coming. Mm. And Biojuve is another one that just launched, which is a well First, it's a live probiotic skincare that takes up residence in your hair follicles. And again, excellent results for acne, anti aging. It's really very clever for helping. They're calling it a skin biome treatment rather than skincare. Wow. But very, very clever. And there's things that are always launching. It's It can be hard to stay on top of, especially for a consumer. For me, it's my job. Yeah,
0: they are coming up all the time. And what do you think about new business models such as Beauty Pie? And can people get really good skincare at a cheaper price?
1: With Beauty Pie, I still don't feel that the products available on there stack up to the clinic-grade products that I've just mentioned. Mm. But can you save money compared with a lot of the high street brands? Absolutely, yes. So are there products on there that you can get that are good and that are nice? They've got some great cleansers. They've got some really good SPFs. They've got some nice neck and decutage products. I still haven't seen any data on any of them that matches up to what you can get from a good in-clinic skincare brand. Mm -hmm. But for sure, compared with the high streets, it's a good place to shop.
0: Mm -hmm. And are you a fan of multitasking skincare, the kind of skincare that combines lots of different ingredients? Because obviously we mentioned quite a few. Do you tend to try and focus on that so that you're not buying, as you say, multiple single ingredient products?
1: I think so, personally. I think it's important that companies spend a lot of money formulating things in a very specific way to achieve set results. And their scientists are a lot cleverer than we are. They put these things together for a reason. And what you don't want to be doing is overloading your skin. You just want to be putting on enough products that are needed. So yes, I do believe in multitasking skincare. Mm. And what about skin cycling? Do you rotate products? I do in that not on a set basis. So I know there are some people whose skin cycle by doing certain things every other day, for example. I'm more that I'll have a few things on my shelf and if my skin is feeling a bit drier and tighter I'll reach for more hydrating products. Mm -hmm. It depends on how my skin is behaving so I think if you can really start to know and understand your skin and know and understand what the different products are achieving for it then you can rotate products depending on what your skin needs. And slight swerve as a question but what is all the hype around Korean skincare? Do you know, the Koreans are so far ahead of us. A lot of these ingredients that start to become a bit more buzz over here have originated from Korean skincare. So think about snail mucus and bee venom. Mm. And I'm, I'm not advocating either of those as ingredients, by the way. But <laughs> they have a very active market in skincare. So a lot of interest in it and a lot of investment in it and in research and development. And so they tend to come up with some really good products. Mm. I think the whole K-beauty scene is huge and it isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So worth keeping an eye on. You've mentioned
0: a few products, but I just want to ask you, you mentioned one that's, in fact, I think you've mentioned two that are on your shelf. What is your routine? Um, And do you have any products that you love so much that you always have them in the rotation?
1: Yes, for me, there's a product called the DEJ Daily Boosting Serum by Revision Skincare that I will never be without. <laughs> if I could bath in it, I would. It's <laughs> amazing. It really, it boosts your cellular energy levels, but very lightweight. I'm also obsessed with the Revision C Plus Correcting Complex, which is a mixture of vitamin C and some technology that helps control pigmentation in the skin. I love the Neostrata Tritherapy Lifting Serum. That's a real hero. Mm-hmm. The Skin Better Science alpharet overnight cream and they also have that as an eye cream version called the imax the revision net cream for me is a hero and then the Mida sheet masks i would again never be without the Mida enzyme peel is my go-to weekly skin boost treatment
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's a few in there <laughs> um, yes and these will all all
0: be in the show notes I was going to ask you if you agree that no skin cream can remove wrinkles. We've mentioned what retinol can do in terms of what products can claim. Mm. But that kind of leads me on to my last question, or maybe it does. You, You can maybe decide what you answer, but... You're known for your very natural approach to injectables, which of course can remove wrinkles. And I know that you believe that injectables should always come after someone has established a really good baseline of skincare and lifestyles. It is possibly a good time to remind people that Botox and fillers, though, do their job and are great, won't actually change the quality or the texture of the skin. That's what skincare is all about. By the same token, would you agree that no skin cream can remove wrinkles?
1: There are actually... A couple of skincare products that do reduce wrinkles, not remove, but reduce. So some peptides are very good at helping to relax muscles in a much gentler way than wrinkle relaxing injections can. For example, Meda have their Myofix Complex and Revision Skincare have their Revox Line Relaxer. Mm -hmm. And both of those with consistent use can really help to reduce wrinkles. So for example, I regularly recommend them to women in pregnancy who are used to having in-clinic treatments. Then you've also got, by Skin Better Science, a product called the Interfuse Lines, which is a filigrade hyaluronic acid with a patented delivery mechanism that really does help plump up lines from the outside in. (laughs) So there are now some products that help significantly although i not to remove them but to improve them and complement what we can do in clinic because you are absolutely correct it's all well and good people having injectable treatments in clinic but that's like having a personal trainer if you then don't have the skincare routine in between Mm. it's the same as not doing any exercise in between your personal training sessions Mm. we need the two to go hand in hand and People can look great just looking after their skin, having radiance and healthy skin and choosing not to have injectable treatments. But the other way around, that doesn't work. Having this perfectly structured face with skin that's textured like leather still doesn't look right. Sophie, with all of the wellness
0: themes that we've covered, good old fashioned skincare is still a perennial favourite for so many people, including me. I knew you'd enjoy this chat. So much to, to take from it and to, to learn from it. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> that ends our podcast if you want to explore more of what we talked about simply head to the show notes we've done all of the research and noting down of names ideas any studies we mentioned so you don't have to go digging to be ahead of the latest episode press follow on Apple Podcasts that's the little cross on the top right or simply hit follow on Spotify or whichever podcast app you use also do follow Sophie on Instagram and TikTok there's loads of great content and little explainers on there, search for Dr. Sophie Schotter. Finally, if you're close to London or Kent, you can book a consultation with Sophie and find out more about who she is and the range of treatments and services she offers via drsophieschotter.com. And by the way, there's some great blog content on the website too. My name's Fiona Mattesini. On behalf of myself and Sophie, please do take a moment to rate and review the show, it all helps. And of course, thanks for listening.